From movie set to multiplex, it's the business of film with James Cameron Wilson. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Hey, Stella! If you build it, he will come. Here's Johnny! This is Simon Rose, and joining me for the business of film is James Cameron Wilson as we look at what is in the charts at the moment in cinemas, which are sort of firing on all cylinders. Well, they certainly were last week, James. Has they that were continued? Yeah. Well, I have to say that one of the great disappointments for me with the pandemic was the postponement of A Quiet Place Part Two. Now, I know you don't really do horror films. But there are horror films, there are good for horror films and there are bad horror films. Most horror films are bad, I will admit that. But A Quiet Place Part 2 not only was critically acclaimed, but was a huge box office success. So much so that Paramount Pictures were willing to triple the budget for the sequel and convince the original director and writer John Krasinski to come on board the sequel, which... He said he wasn't going to do, but then changed his mind and he came up with an idea. And so possible is his main star might have been able to persuade him. Uh, yes, indeed. Um, Emily Blunt, who plays the leading character. But A Quiet Place Part Two opened at 563 screens. It made more money in its opening weekend, last weekend, than the first film. And Bearing in mind that from last weekend, uh, July the 7th, cinemas in the Republic of Ireland will now also be able to show it. So that will be another 55 cinemas added to the film's release. Mm. This film is just doing so well after lockdown. So things are really looking up, Simon. Well, I'm glad to hear it. Yes, I haven't seen the first one yet. I know it's supposed to be incredibly well. Um, regarded. Um, I'm trying to think back now, other films in which directors have um, been directing their, their other halves, um, of which Emily Blunt is, isn't she? She's, she's married to the director and writer. She is indeed, yes. yes. Um, I'm sure there are many. You'll come up with a list, I'm sure, by next week, if, if you choose to do so. You don't have to. Um, oh, thank you. Uh, so presumably one needs to have seen, and I did get an invite to go and see this. I don't think not so, no. This film is far, far too clever for that because it is a part prequel and part sequel. So oh. it starts with day one, whereas we didn't have day one. We had to pick up through mm. exposition what was happening, and we just leapt into the action with the first one. But I, I think the great thing about being back at the cinema anyway is that there is no buffering, no ad breaks, mm. no unexpected telephone calls, just a <laughs> massive screen. If one hopes no unexpected telephone calls, yes. Well, like, yes, particularly for a film like this. Uh, just a massive screen in front of you and a sound system that not even your neighbour can afford. Mm. But I am a perfectionist, and the print of A Quiet Place Part 2 that I saw at my local multiplex wasn't entirely in focus. Maybe nobody else noticed, but with the advances in digital cinema, I do expect a very sharp image. 
I just yes. hope it was a Daft print. Well, that, One th- that, that's more likely to be a projection problem, surely. If it's a digital print, there can't be anything wrong with that. Yeah, I maybe should have had a word afterwards. Yes, so it's, it depends on cinema, but I found it very difficult to find anybody to have a word with when there are problems. Well, that, yeah, that projection. is a problem. But once the action got going, though, I mm. didn't notice so much, because you don't, because yes, it, yeah, when yeah. the camera's moving. Um, so, yeah, Paramount Pictures tripled the budget of the sequel. Um, but it doesn't matter how much money a studio can throw at a sequel. It won't have the novelty value of the original. And the original sure was novel. Just to recap, basically, Earth has been invaded by a species of alien that is super strong, super fast, and is endowed with phenomenally good hearing. However, these creatures are blind. Now, this is an advantage for Emily Blunt's family because their daughter, Reagan, played by Millicent Simmons, is born deaf. So they can communicate with American Sign Language. So whereas other people, if they even whisper, Mm. these creatures can hear them and come and get them. And what is so clever with the sequel is that we start with day one, and I was completely grit. Uh, This typical picture of Americana, a local baseball game and then something falls from the sky and these creatures just start attacking it's a monster pick but i think what is worked so well about it is that john krasinski has invested so much time in this family that we actually care about the characters and for most of the time horror films uses their protagonists as like counters on a sort of a a playing board that are easily disposable of Mm. But we love these characters, and they are very well played. And I have a major paternal crush on Millicent Simmons. She's only made three films, but I have loved them all. Todd Haynes' magical, touching Wonderstruck, which is so special. I'm still bleating on about it three years after its release. The original A Quiet Place, and now this. She is the emotional heart of the new film. She has much more screen time, and she is a terrific actress. And what with Sound of Metal, The Unholy, and even Godzilla versus Kong, with the delightful Kaylee Hottle, and now this. It's been a phenomenal year for the hearing challenged. I would love to see a film with Kaylee Hottle, Marley Maxlin, who you remember won an Oscar yes. for playing a deaf janitor in Children of a Lesser God, and Millicent Simmons, all in the same film. That would be really something special. And she's so clever. She's so smart, Regan. That she works out that if you she gets the hear her hearing aid and the frequency when added to a loudspeaker really upsets the creatures. And he's just such a fine director, John Krasinski. He produced it, he wrote it, he appears in it in day one. I don't want to give away too much. Mm. But the way he very carefully uh s- splits the narratives into three. So we're following three characters who are experiencing similar traumas at the same time is very, very clever. And I think silence is such a powerful tool in the cinematic palette, which is seldom used. And this film really knows how to use it. Now, as you know, I am a very hardened film goer, Simon. Mm-hmm. I don't ever remember. Maybe once when I saw The Others with Nicole Kidman. I don't ever remember literally 
jumping out of my seat. But I did during A Quiet Place Part 2. Not once, but twice. You see, I adored the others, but I'm not sure I'd want to watch it twice. And you sort of really put me off going to see Quiet Place 2 because the idea of wanting to experience that it doesn't come up very high on my list even though i'm sure if i was forced to go and see it if i was still working as a critic i'd probably enjoy it immensely yeah i mean it's a very good film on every level mm. but the sound design as indeed it was in sound of metal is really really clever and i i just remember in the first film we'd been very quiet and i was so conscious of uh, drinking my cappuccino not making a sound mm. because everybody was deathly silent and there was a sequence where they cut to a river sequence and just the roar of the river. Everybody jumped. <laughs> okay, uh, I, don't I, just, I don't mind being frightened by a river. Okay. Well, and it's great to see an actor, say, of the calibre of Jaiman Hansu again. I was enthralled. Um, <laughs> there was a moment with Killian Murphy is the new male lead. And I couldn't really understand what he was saying. So when there's a scene when Reagan tells him to enunciate things actually got decidedly <laughs> better after that point i was completely engrossed involved for me this is the godfather part two of horror sequels oh and how often can you say that you've just seen a horror film that is not only genuine thrilling genuinely thrilling but enormously moving as well because i was invested in these characters so it's clever, it's well made, it has jump scares that it earns. And so so that's number one in the chart. Can you remind me again then how it's how it's done? Uh, indeed I can. It has it took 2.24 million pounds from 563 screens in its first weekend. Mm -hmm. These are proper figures, Simon. They are. They are. Extraordinary, given that cinemas can't actually fill all their seats. Um, it's incredibly impressive. Mm, yeah. Um, well, well, going back to the chart, uh, we've mm. got Peter Rabbit 2 at number two, which made two million over the weekend, making the most, of course, of the half-term break. In spite of that glorious weather, it's now got a total of £12.6 million. These are the sort of pre-lockdown figures that we were talking about 18 months ago at number three we've got cruella the new disney origins movie with emma stone and this is down a mere 12 percent in its second frame with a total of 4.45 million after 10 days on release at number four we've got the conjuring the devil made me do it the eighth installment of the conjuring universe with patrick wilson and vera famiga with a total of five Point thirty-one million pounds sterling. At number five, we have a new film called Dream Horse, a homegrown feel-good family picture about a bartender played by Tony Collette set in Wales. She is, called, of course, from New South Wales, who convinces <laughs> the villagers to band together to raise the money for a racehorse, Dream Alliance, to compete with the equestrian elite Damien Lewis co-stars an accountant as an accountant who pitches in with an average of £385 per screen from 545 sites for a total of 209,364 quid. At number six, we've got Godzilla versus Kong, 
Seven, Tom and Jerry, the movie. Eight, Nomadland. Nine, Raya and the Last Dragon, the animated action adventure from Disney with the voices of Aquafina and the London-born Gemma Chan. Do you know Gemma Chan, Simon? Don't think so. You will. She is the star of Eternals, which is the new $200 million Marvel uh, picture. And it's directed by Chloe Zhao. Mm. And top billing goes to Gemma Chan. She has the lead. People like Angelina Jolie are also in it. This film is going to be massive. And it is already attracting Oscar buzz. I think because of the Chloe Zhao element, she's going. She directed, of course, Nomad's Land. Yes, yes. Uh, it is going to bring a very different dynamic to it. So, James. Um, and at number ten, I know mm. we need a break. Demon Slayer: Mugen Train, the animated big screen sequel to the manga TV series. It's all looking good. Okay, let's just take a quick breather. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. listening to the business of film on share radio i'm in conversation i am simon rose and i'm in conversation with james cameron wilson so we've had a look right down the chart james under quiet place two you clearly strongly recommend even for those who haven't seen quiet place one yet um where do we go now well i would like to talk about the film number 27 because i <laughs> had an opportunity to see a film that wasn't all blood and guts and mm. in the top 10 so i went to see gunda which Let's see how much it made. It £5,344, but we must support every kind of film. Um, as you know, I hate... Have you heard of Gunda? Gunda? I'm afraid I haven't. Okay. As you know, I hate to give away the story of a film I am reviewing, but as Gunda doesn't have a story, I feel I can go full hog. This is a black-and-white documentary without a note of music. I've been so spoilt this week um, because, I'm, as you know, I'm not a fan of constant bastardization of you, film music. You mention it from time to time. I but do, you I do. quite rightly assume as well. well. I mean, there are great scores, of course. Um, and this doesn't have a note of music or indeed a word of commentary. And we just stare at a pig for an hour and a half. And that is about it. There's a cameo from a one-legged chicken, and there are some cows, but Gunda, the sow, pretty much hogs the screen time, along with her litter. Mm. The BBC's Tom Brook, Tom Brook, he named it as the best film of 2020. At least it was his favourite film of 2020. And the critic for my own website called it a masterpiece and gave it five stars. So I was expecting something pretty special. Well, special has more than one meaning, and I'm not entirely sure who I would recommend this film to. I talked about it with a friend of mine who's also seen it, and he said I would recommend it to everybody. Because in the conventional sense, not much happens. What the film, a US-Norwegian co-production from the Russian director, Viktor Kosakovsky does do is to make us think. A lot passed across my mind while I was watching Gunda, largely 
because I wasn't distracted by such tradition, traditional diversions such as subtext, narrative or witty dialogue, I did worry that the main pig, the Sal with the title role, might have been suffering as much boredom as I was. And I was worried for her because after the 93 minutes of the film had passed, her life had to go on in much the same manner and I could get on with other stuff. But after the film fun finished, I was still thinking about it and have more or less continued thinking about it <laughs> ever since. Um, it is really unique because the camera gets totally in their world. It is so close up. The cinematography, the black and white cinematography is very sharp, very brilliant. And you just wonder how they go about their life without being distracted by a camera crew. But Viktor Kosakovsky has found the means, much like so many nature documentaries we watch on television, that we are in there. And not, as I say, nothing much happens. But after a while, you sort of change your expectations. Now, I think if art is a means by which we are taught to see life in new ways, then Gunda goes some distance in realizing that aim. And after about 45 minutes, I started sort of getting into it. And I have to say, the last 10 minutes, I, I was gutted, actually. It's a very unusual piece, and I think I won't recommend it to everybody. <laughs> Although it's a PG certificate, children will be bored, silly, because of ADD, um, attention deficit disorder. But I think there is an audience for it. Is as I say, it's unique. There's um, a strand of TV called slow TV that has become very popular, in which you, I mean, one one program just followed a, a, a bus going through the Yorkshire Dales, um, and other things just have people watching fires or aquarium. Oh, I've heard. And of it, it sounds like it's sort of a cinematic version of of that. But in a strange way, I actually felt quite uncomfortable watching it because I felt like I was a voyeur and this was their world <laughs> and I shouldn't have been there. Oh, intriguing. Anyway. Uh, so it's Gundus, which is available at some cinemas. It's available in 30 cinemas yeah. nationwide and it has pretty much universal acclaim. Uh, anyway, um, you've probably got a copy tucked away with your DVD screeners you were sent by BAFTA. I don't think I have. It's not. It's not a. It came I, in a box I, set. Did it? Oh, okay. Altitude. So you could probably watch it if you found a spare too. Anyway, um, I, I also saw an old. I went back to an old favourite. As you know, I have a rather soft spot for French cinema, and having got bored by the relentless diet of formulaic horror at my local multiplex, I sampled an old favourite. It's called Summertime, or La Belle Saison in its original French, excuse my pronunciation. And just a few minutes in, I realized why I loved the film back in 2016 when it was released in the UK. It felt like a privilege just to be sitting in front of the screen and drinking in those phenomenal views of rural, rural France and to share time with seemingly real people I cared about, as I did with the characters in a Quiet Place Part Two. The time is 1971, a period when a man could be incarcerated for being gay, or even worse, given a lobotomy. The film is both a swinging attack on ingrained prejudice and a love story between two women, one a feminist from Paris, the other 
the other a lesbian who works on her father's farm. The former is played by my favourite Belgian actress, Cécile de France, who also starred in the Dardenne brothers' masterpiece, The Kid with a Bike, and perhaps the most unsettling French film ever made, Switchblade Romance. The farmer's daughter is played by Eje Jala, the pop star who is so natural in front of the camera and on a tractor that it's a crime she hasn't made more films. And together, the two actresses exude a chemistry that is bewitching as they struggle against the bias of their times and attempt to make a difference to the society within which they have been born. There's also a wonderfully understated performance from Naomi Lavosky as Jaya's long-suffering mother, a woman entrenched in the mores of her own time. And the period detail, the exquisite cinematography and melodic score all add to the sheer enjoyment of a modern French classic, which is available on DVD on Amazon. Uh, and obviously, I had to um, check into Netflix to see this new film called A Wake, which is, uh, funnily enough, a dystopian thriller. They tell us to listen to the science, but the science doesn't make a whole lot of sense in this, this week's latest dystopian thriller. Every microchip on the planet has been fried and the world has jumped back in time. Once again, old cars and real books are all the rage as they operate off the grid. This is not a new idea, but one worth repeating, although Mark Wages and Joseph Rasso's screenplay is less concerned with new ideologies than being a zombie pick stuck at the blueprint stage. Jennifer Jason Lee, in a fleeting cameo and lab coat, explains breathlessly, it was some sort of solar flare, we think. It changed our electromagnetic wiring. It affected our glymphatic system. Um, so that explains everything. So nobody <laughs> can sleep anymore except for one special child, the 10-year-old daughter of the executive producer, Gina Rodriguez. And I really like the idea. Do you, do you remember a film called, well, it was an allegor allegorical pandemic thriller called Blindness with Julianne Moore? I do. Well, this is similar, in fact, that nobody can actually sleep. And if you can't sleep, things start going seriously wrong. And for instance, the military sort of go onto automatic pilot and start shooting everybody. I kind of like the idea. And for me, what really saved it was Ariana Greenblatt as the daughter who does is able to have uh, 40 winks whenever she likes. And she turns in another star-making performance. I think I raved about her when I reviewed Love and Monsters. Other recognisable faces do turn up to be dispatched with proficient zeal, but nobody has time to register, really, as a sympathetic character. Were you so, able to sleep out? That's probably the important question. Well, I'd actually had a, a power nap because I was so tired before <laughs> I saw Awake that I thought <laughs> I, I ought to be awake for Awake. And um, as the cast begins to look increasingly bleary-eyed, it's hard not to be, beat them to it and invite Freddy Krueger into our nightmares. And I wish I was actually feeling more tired. Uh, it's not a great film. But it's nice to see a Latino actress centre stage and taking charge as Gina Rodriguez. But it's really her daughter who I think made the film, if you want to see it. But I'm getting rather tired of these, these dystopian pandemic yeah. thrillers. James, thank Available you. Available on Netflix.
available on Netflix. Uh, that's it for this week's edition of the business of film. We'll be taking a quick break next week as I'm away on holiday, but we'll be back in a fortnight. My thanks to James Cameron Wilson. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Houston, we have a problem. Snakes. Why did it have to be snakes?